This is Dish and Dirt with Gary Pickren, South Carolina's only podcast dedicated to the real estate agent craft. And now the host of Dish and Dirt, Gary Pickren. And greetings, welcome back everyone to another episode of Dish and Dirt. I'm your often opinionated but rarely wrong host, Gary Pickering, coming to you from the beautiful confines of Blair, Cato, Pickering, Castellan, and Columbia, South Carolina, this the third week of January. You know, every once in a while, you start realizing that maybe your lame-ass little show that, you know, has two listeners that uh, are related to you might actually be bigger than that. And this is one of those weeks that I kind of look back and go, wow, maybe this lame show has actually become something of a, of a, a cultural importance. And uh, the reason I say that is because my guest today is one of those guests that when you get this person to come on your podcast, you're like, damn, I, I have arrived. I've gotten bigly here. I've gotten big name people to actually come on the show. And, you know, it's like when you get a Krista Mashore or Brittany Hodick or the real estate marketing dude. People like that to come on your show, real estate uncensored guys. You're like, wow, how did Columbia, South Carolina, real estate lawyer get these people? This week, I have another one of those huge gets, which I really don't know how I got. Worked on it for two months, but we finally got them. And it's Gary Gold. Gary Gold, not only is on our podcast today, but he's going to be at our Real Estate Success Summit. As most of y'all know, Gary Gold is one of the biggest names in the entire real estate industry, not only in this country, but worldwide has a worldwide following. He has worldwide clients and customers. He sold the Playboy Mansion for $100 million and then turned around and sold the Chartwell Estate, which is also known as the Beverly Hillbillies House, for $150 million. And he is now one of the absolute biggest names in real estate, working with the biggest names in uh, music, biggest names in film, TV, uh, as well as the biggest names in Silicon Valley and business. He is well sought after as a speaker, as a real estate agent. And if you want to have some fun, you just want to see how the other half live, go look at his website, soldbygold.net, and see what $35 million can get you in Beverly Hills. Nevertheless, Gary is on our show today. I am thrilled to have him. He's going to talk to us literally about selling the Playboy Mansion, selling the Chartwell Estate, and the lessons he learned from that process that he can give you, that you can use in your business, and that you can learn those lessons, mindset, and so forth that he had. It's an incredible story because Gary was not the biggest name in real estate when he got the listing for the Playboy Mansion, and he'll talk about that today. Luckily, Gary was so kind, he stayed for, for over an hour with me, so we were able to cut this into two shows. So you'll get part one today and then part one week. So let's go ahead and jump in with Gary because we got a lot to learn from one of the greatest minds in real estate. Before we start with Gary, don't forget, go ahead and get your tickets for the Real Estate Success Summit. Tickets are selling very quick, so you don't want to miss out. I'll put the link in my show notes below. We have an incredible lineup. Not only is Gary Gold going to be there speaking and spending time with you after the Success Summit, he's going to be there during the cocktail event. We have Daryl Davis. We've got Brandon Smith, Garrett Maroon, Bill Sabata. We have the biggest names in real estate as well as an all-star panel talking about how to market outside the box, what you need to be doing in 2024 to make your business the best that it has ever been. Tickets are on sale $79 February 13th starting at 9 a.m. So you do not want to miss that show. Tickets will sell out, so you want to hurry and get those today. 
All right, guys, so here we go. We are here with Gary Gold, the venerable Gary Gold. He is one of the best real estate agents, top real estate agents, not only in this country, but in the entire world. It has been a couple of months in the making to be able to secure Gary Gold for our Real Estate Success Summit, as well as I have him here today. And I have to admit, I'm kind of thrilled about it, Gary. I'm very excited. First of all, you got a cool name. You're Gary, Andrew Gary Gold, and you're one of the biggest. That's true. So thanks so much for being here, Gary. I didn't, but I'm not from South Carolina, so you got that going for you. Well, that's true. You got the West Coast. I, I carry the East Coast. You'll carry the West Coast for us. How about that? There you go. <laughs> well, we are more than honored to have you as part of the Real Estate Success Summit. And part of what I want to do today is kind of uh, let people get to know a little bit more about Gary Golden, your amazing story. So why don't we start off today with you kind of telling us February 13th, just around the corner, you're going to be the keynote speaker. Tell us what we can expect from Gary Gold that day. What I teach and what I'm really passionate about is one thing, and it's about generating those leads. The point and getting leads are very easy. I'm talking about once you have that lead, capturing that lead, nurturing that person, taking them down the funnel, making a sale, and then leveraging that sale to do it all over again. My ultimate goal for anyone, and it's what I've achieved is that my business, my listings, and my sale is my biggest source of future business and sales. And then it becomes this, like, it's like a electric car. Or it's, like a, it's like a hybrid, not electric, it's like a hybrid. It just starts generating its own energy. And that is the ultimate goal. When you, you, I'm sure some people know these agents that are not even that visible, and they make a ton of money, and you don't know how they do it. Like, I didn't even know he did that much business. He made a million dollars a year. He has a self-sustaining business. Now, you can do it and be loud like me, but you can do it either way. Awesome. Well, we are very excited and look forward to you being there. Like I said earlier, you're one of the absolute biggest names in real estate in the entire world. But back in the day, that was not always the case. And I know when we're at this Real Estate Success Summit on February 13th, we're probably not going to have a lot of time to kind of talk about your background. I know you'll bring that background into your story a little bit, but I really want the the listener today to really understand how you got your career off the ground. So let's talk about the most famous listing that you ever got and how that came about. It's obviously the Playboy Mansion, Hugh Hefner's house, sold for $100 million. And as I understand from talking to you earlier, you weren't the biggest name in real estate at the time, and you were yep. competing against the biggest names in real estate for that. I moment. was. Everybody wanted to. So tell us the story. How did yes. So everyone was going after it. So how it, I'm going to start how it started because I think it's interesting because it's not like I was destined to get this, even though I was a successful agent. That's like, you know, you're fighting for the world championship. That's the Super Bowl. You could be a professional football team and not go to the Super Bowl. I was ready to quit selling real estate five years before that happened. I couldn't stand it anymore. I had, I, my career has not been a straight shot. I've had successes. I've had down, up, down, up. When you do it for 46 years, you're going to have some trajectories. But mine have been probably more significant than others. And um, I couldn't, I remember not, I, I went into developments maybe eight or nine, like in, 10, 12 years before the Playboy Mansion. And I worked on that for like five years and put most of my focus in these developments. And the whole thing blew up, including my career. And I was just 
I was at ground zero and I had ignored the, my resale business. So I remember being at the airport. It was like my lowest point. And someone says, I ran into someone. They go, are you still in real estate? If you ever hear someone asking you that question, you've got a major problem. Yeah. And I remember then going on having an opportunity to try to get a $3 million listing. And the guy looked at me and says, well, what have you done lately? I mean, I know you're talking a big game. Who are you? And I, and in developments, I had started working with Zillow. So I was talking about Zillow and online marketing and this and that. And he didn't even know what the hell I was talking about. It was too early. But I finally kind of figured it out, started it all over, became the most tech savvy, marketing savvy and tech savvy person with the most experience in my office and started to build my career back up. And I did it a lot out of being of service. I've been sober 37 years. And the 12th step of the, of the program I'm part of, that you've probably already heard of, is the be of service. And I've applied that to everything. So I remember I had donated my commission to a charity that was Ashton Kutcher's charity. And I gave my commission and I did this promotional thing with Zillow. And I gave away my commission and we had this um, design house that was Ashton and his dad designed it. And, I, you know, I, I didn't get paid anything for it, but we did this design house and sold tickets to it. And one of the d interior designers of one of the rooms that were decorated, we had this event. Her husband was this architect who was there and we started talking and I referred him a client. His name was William Hefner, no relation to Hugh Hefner, just happened to be the same. <laughs> so I referred him this client and he got a big job out of it. And I remember him thanking me and I said to him six months later, do you ever have a client that has a question about if they're overbuilding, is this the right kind of house? What's the upside? Anything real estate market related, they want me to answer the question or anything about the inside baseball of a neighborhood. Any of those questions, I'm happy to just to be of service. Again, be of service, not get business, try to sell something that they don't want to build, be of service. So a year or two later, he called me and says, I got a client who thinks he's overbuilding. Go over, see the house, run into the guy, and he's, he, I told him he wasn't in the overbuilding, but he said, well, maybe we'll sell it and let's think about it. So he, this guy became my client and I sold him that house. I sold him another one. And during this process, we're always talking. He says to me, um, he's the, he, he is the managing partner of a private equity firm that owns Playboy. And he said, what do you think the Playboy Mansion is worth? Now, at this time, I'm his client. I am not the guy who would ever sell the Playboy Mansion. Right. I mean, I would like to shot at it, but I just, I was not a contender. And I remember I was like a deer in a headlight. And I really was making my comeback at this point. And I didn't know. I had never been there. And that's not an alibi. I literally have never been there. <laughs> and I didn't know what it was worth. And I just said to myself, I just want to get to the next step here. And I just said to him, I go, listen, that heart, that particular house is a little difficult to quantify, like on the fly. Let me give it a little thought. I go, there's some intrinsic value of above and beyond the property itself. It's also in a price point that maybe no home has ever sold for in LA. So all I wanted to do, and what I said to myself at that point, I had no thought that I could ever get the listing, but I did say, 
And I take this to the next step. I just want to, I just want to live another day. And I just said that. I went back, did some research, talked to the guy who owned my company who knew a lot about he, he was literally a historian on properties and started to discuss it and, and was able to have an intelligent conversation with him. And I threw out some very, you know, vague number. And I, at the point, I probably still didn't know, but I had some idea. And they were years away from ever selling. He just asked me the question. But he started, you know, since I'm always schmoozing uh, over the, you know, over a year or two, he would just always ask me, well, what do you think about auctioning? How's the market? This, that. He started asking it related to that. And I started being his agent before he ever offered me or even said that, yeah, we're going to give you the listing on the Playboy Mansion. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the big takeaway here is I think the biggest opportunity for anyone in real estate today is to become people's agent who aren't ready to buy or sell their house. Mm -hmm. They're at the top of the funnel. But if they're curious, they're going to buy or sell their home probably the next two, three, four, five years. And you want to fill your funnel with those people. And it's all really from they're going to sell their house anywhere within a week or a few years. Mm -hmm. You fill your funnel with that, you'll get rich. No question about so you're it. You're storing those acorns for later down in the winter. And, yeah, but uh, but the 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 secret is is if you start working with people, answering questions, solving problems, uh, making them understand that market. Often, when someone says we're a year to two away from selling a house, what they really are saying they don't know it is they're a year or two away from having the time to understand the market, to know what they have, and to know where they want to go. And then they could have a conversation. It has nothing to do with time. It has to do with they don't comprehend the market they're in with the selling and where their next step is. They haven't done that homework. Mm -hmm. So when you start becoming their benevolent client that you're not even asking for anything, but you're just being a value and educating them, what they thought would take two years could take two weeks. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, we now that we understand where we should go and we understand what our house is worth and what we could get out of it, we started looking around on Zillow or Truly or Realtor. We went away for the weekend and we know where we want to be. Fuck it, let's do it. So that's how things change real quick. When sometimes it is a time thing. Their kids mm -hmm. are graduating high school here. They're going to spend one more day at home. Then they're going to college. We want a different house. But often it is just that they haven't had the time to figure it out. And when you're so, providing that information and you're helping them, not only do you get them, but then you also have the very good possibility of they like you, trust you, respect you, and start using your name to other people that they know might be looking. You create super fans by providing that value. They are even better referral sources than your client that you have a listing with. These people, all you're doing is providing value. You're not even asking for anything. They're, they're singing your praises. If you have a house listed, hasn't sold in three months, they haven't, you haven't found the house they want to buy, Not even though those people might love you, they might not be as pumped as these people. All you've done is provided them value. There hasn't been any conflict or contrast or, or any difficulty yet. Which yeah. and our process is difficult, period. And sometimes we just have to take the heat for shit. So none of that's happened. It's just been all asking questions, and you're 
It's like free samples at Costco. You haven't made any purchases. You just get a a hot dog, <laughs> you know? So um, I'm answering this guy's questions over the, and at first I went from just answering questions and I was able to do that. I just wanted to get to the next conversation. And then at one point I went, oh, I, 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 this is what happened. I remember I'm sitting there and at one point we're talking about it. And his wife says, well, you're giving Gary the listing, aren't you? And he goes, that's not my, that's really not my decision. There's a whole board of directors. Uh, uh, you know, hopefully I can give him a shot at it. But that's what, up to that point, I don't think that was even on his mind. I mean, wow. he was a good enough client. I would just answer questions for him. And, but then at that point, I went, could I get this listing? I mean, I, I mean, I remember up to that point, it's like, I don't even have the confidence to ask for a shot. Now, could I get this shot? And then as I started providing information and started thinking about how I present myself, over a period of time, I went from this is not even a possibility to maybe this is a possibility to I am getting this property. I am selling it. It's the last thing I do on earth and nothing is going to stop me. I did not have that type of confidence going in. I only got that confidence by doing the work and figuring it out. If I have a gift, it's not being a super salesman. It's not being incredibly smart. It's being able to ask my, to have this belief that I can figure out anything. Mm. And the way I figure out things isn't by like, how do I go to the moon? It's what would be my next step to go to the moon? What's the next step I have to make? And I also, when I always think, because that's how I work, how I do everything. What's the, what's my next move? What's my next step? And I'm okay if that next step is a complete failure because success often looks <clears throat> like about 80% failures. Mm -hmm. And those failures, as long as you don't take it personally, get you to success. Thomas Edison failed 3,000 times at creating what we know as his light bulb. Um, he said he didn't fail 3,000 times. He just, he goes, he just figured out 3,000 ways not to make a light bulb, mm -hmm. which got him to the end one. So that has been a really good skill. And anything you guys want to accomplish that seems insurmountable, that's one certainly does. What's your next step? What? And don't worry if the next step's a mistake. There's going to be missteps. And then you see that mistake, you make adjustments, you keep on moving forward. So mindset so, is a huge aspect of this is just live to fight another day. Yes, but I didn't have the mindset at the beginning. I just had the mindset to say, what's my next move? Okay. But so this is where it comes into play. And this is, I, we've, at one point we have the meetings where they're meeting literally the best agents in the country. Uh, I do everything I can to hedge my bet to get this listing. Do really well. And my client, who is one of the people on the board, says to me, it looks like you got it. Because we just have one more person to interview. So I go, okay. And he goes, we're doing it this afternoon. And I'm like, yes, I'm almost there. And he calls me and says, we interviewed this other agent. And unanimously, the board thinks we should go. We're going to go with him. He 
everything he said was so spot on, including myself. I think he really made the most compelling presentation of anyone. Now, I had told you, I was getting this listing no matter what. I did not hear what that guy said at all. I just said, okay, I just, how do I get to the other side? And I proceeded to say something I probably would have never said or thought of unless I had already visualized myself getting that listing. And I said to him, I go, you know what? I completely understand. And I often will not argue with people. Um, I will just frame it in a little different way. And I said to him, I go, there's nobody better at making a presentation, a listing presentation than that agent. Totally understand why you made that decision. I said, where, and not where I, I said, where we, my company, where we shine is we're the, we're the company that actually sells the homes. I go, give me 10 minutes. I'm going to send you uh, an Excel spreadsheet of the homes over $20 million. Because not a lot of houses at that point were selling over 20. There were some over 20 million in the last <clears throat> three years that we've sold our company. And the, la- and the amount of $20 million homes they've sold. And our list was about 80 or 90 long, and their list was about 15 long. It was, we dominated in that. And he called me, he, I sent it to him, he called me back 15 minutes later. He goes, you guys are getting in the co-listing. Now, a couple, I want to unpack that. If I said, let me... If I said the exact same thing, but I'd say, let me send you a spreadsheet of the homes I've sold over 20 million compared to the homes that agent sold over 20 million, he would have clobbered me. He would had way more sales. And this is another big takeaway. Sell what you got. What I had, I had two things, and that's why I got that listing. I knew that the one of the main guys knew, liked, and trusted me. And B, I worked for a company that was the absolute, unquestionable, most successful luxury brokerage. It's one office in the world. And that's what I sold. And that's if I, if I didn't sell those things I sold, me against that agent, I, I wouldn't have gotten it. I wouldn't even gotten on it at the table. So that's how I ended up getting that. And then I went into Missile Lock. And even though there were three listing agents on it, I made a decision, like kind of like Kobe Bryant. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, giving, I'm not taking the ball away. I grabbed that deal and I literally did the whole thing myself. It was very, very tedious deal. We sold it, in the, and Hugh Hefner got to stay there until he died, which was an unknown amount of time. And the new owner would have had to pay for his lifestyle and maintaining wow. this home that was so. It was a very complicated because. It was big, it was costing millions of dollars to run the place, and they had to take that over. And it could have been one year, it could have been twenty years. They didn't know. So, very complicated transaction, but we worked it out. And that was a record-setting sell at that time, wasn't it? That was a a the most expensive home to ever sell in Los Angeles uh, when it originally sold fifty years about prior about fifty years prior it sold for a million, and now it's selling for one hundred and five million. And it was also the most expensive home to sell in the United States that year. That's what I call a Super Bowl ring. We all want Super Bowl rings. 
Right. You get one of those, whatever, whatever that equivalent is where you live, some record breaking monumental sale. It, if you leverage that properly, it could change your entire career. Let's, let's talk about that. How did this, obviously it changed your career. As you said, it propelled you to the next level, to the level of all the greatest names in real estate. How, how did that happen and how quickly did that happen? At first, I didn't know what to do. And I did a little bit of it, but I didn't. And it took me a month or so. And then I said, I got to leverage the hell out of this. I, I can work it into any conversation, but it changed my listing appointment. At that point, I just walked into the listing appointment. I didn't have like a presentation. I just had a microphone. And I sat down and I said, I sold the Playboy Mansion for $105 million. And you have never got to stay there for the rest of his life. I dropped the microphone and I walked out the door. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I literally dropped the microphone. I love it. <laughs> so I literally can work that into any conversation. And it happens to be one of those sales. And the other two other people involved in it just don't have because they really weren't that involved, but they they could take credit for it. They've leveraged it a little bit, but nothing like I have because I really was the person at ground zero and I and I ran with it. Um, it, it a confidence, the confidence you have when you do that. And it's also one of those. In the entertainment industry, they have something called a high concept, a third, you know, an elevator pitch. If you could sell someone on your movie idea in a 60 second elevator ride, that's something Hollywood wants to buy. It's really hard to argue with. I sold the Playboy Mansion. So I do bring it up in conversation. Everyone's interested in hearing it. And I did go out and I've done tons of interviews. I've talked about it a lot. Uh, people are interested in hearing the story and um, I have leveraged it and how else it changed. I, I went from having to bring someone in to help me get that listing, even though I actually did the job to now other people bring me in to get that listing. Shortly thereafter, I sold someone brought me in and we sold the Beverly Hillbillies estate. Oh, also wow. known as the chart lost for 150 million. So I broke. So after I sold that home for 105, there was a couple sale. There was a sale for 120 that trumped us, and then we sold this house for 150, which then became the most expensive single-family dwelling to ever sell in the United States, and the most expensive ever home ever to sell in New York. There was one floor in New York of uh, of four different units put together that sold for 225, but it became the most expensive home there. And L.A., again, I broke the record and the most expensive sale that year in the United States and most expensive home ever to sell for at least a short period of time. The, the Chartwell Estate was actually the Beverly Hillsbilly uh, TV show. Yes, I did it not was. know that. It's yes. It was owned by, I understand, what the Univision guy who owned Univision. He's the one who owned that at the time. Yes, it is. He, I think he had sold it by then, but. Uh, and then, you know, I ended up selling, I've you know, ended up selling other properties and now I've got the reputation as that person. I'm not the only person that has those, that type of reputation, but I definitely am at the, uh, at the big boy table when it comes to that as a result of that. And the only difference between me being on that table or not being at the table is I made those sales. I won those Super Bowls and, uh, yeah, I, 
I'm talking about it now. I mean, I definitely talk about it, bring about, about it. I've learned a lot of lessons from it, giving me a ton of confidence. And um, I have a reputation of, you know, being able to put together some of the most complicated deals possible. So when you sold Chart, well, did y'all advertise it as being the Beverly Hills Billy house? I know you did with the Playboy no. mentioned. That's a lot of its mystique, but with a $150 million house, I'm like, I was curious, are you hiding the fact that it was the Beverly Hills Billy or were you not? No, no, but you know what? Um, it had been known as the Chart Real Estate. The Beverly Hills Billy was a long time ago. A lot of people right. knew that, but it had other, it was once originally known as the Kirkaby Estate. And then the other owner who'd been there 30 years called it Chartwell. And uh, it was just a known property period, regardless of what it was. How big is it? And it was maybe about 15,000 feet hmm. with a 5,000 foot guest house, which was basically just another house on oh. 10 acres uh, in the best is. location in all of Los Angeles. So this is the of all the houses in L.A., this is the one when you drive up and see the wall and the gates, you go, what is that? It's just, it's got a half a mile of French. It is one of the, in a, in a place that, you know, if you have 200 feet of frontage, you're, you know, a big shot. And this thing is just insane in that respect. So, uh, but as important as those are and as good as those are, if you don't stay on your game, I mean, we're athletes. Athletes and real estate agents have the same situation. We're performance-based. No matter what you've done in the past, if you're not executing today, you're going to lose. And I mean, someone brand new today could go toe-to-toe with me. And if he out-executed and performed me, he would beat me. Now, that's unlikely, but it's true. Hmm. and. I'm uh, watching this uh, show right now called Breakpoint about professional tennis tour mm-hmm. and about the the holy grail of all these young tennis players is to win a Grand Slam and to get into that top 10 and compete with these, you know, when people really get to a certain level in tennis, they seem to stay there for a while and they win all the tournaments and every once in a while, someone else wins another one. So the competition between those, but there are young people that end up beating the old guard. And then there's the old guard that seems like he's like, when is this guy going to ever lose or quit? And he keeps on winning. So it's very, very competitive and resting on your laurels is never a good idea in this business. And it's all execution. You've got to be executing. And often when we have a lot of successes, we start to, we can unless you're just a real winner. So what is it that's driving you today then? I mean, is it the fear of being the old guard that somebody knocks off, or is it just you absolutely love what you do and you just want to keep doing it? What is it that's driving you? I think the money has something to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Honest real estate agent. It's like an honest real estate agent, uh, an honest attorney, right? I love it. I I remember... I had a friend whose father was in the music business who was one of the coolest people on the planet. I mean, on the planet. He was there at the beginning, worked with every major artist ever, private jets, private villas, 
we got to be part of it. I mean, you couldn't be cooler. You just couldn't be cooler. And at one point, he retired. And he was out of that. And within a short period of time, he was just a guy looking to have lunch with somebody. It was just no longer happening. He might have been very happy. Mm-hmm. But from my point of view, he was no longer the man. Um, and I didn't completely recognize this myself, but I worked with Steve Wynn. And when I was, I worked not, it wasn't that long ago, and we had him in escrow on something that was like 50 million bucks. And this, I go, why would someone in his mid 70s, you know, want to own a 30,000 foot house and do this? I just, I'll tell you what it is. And I was going, and he's running this just very complicated life. And I figured it out. Steve Wynn wants to be Steve Wynn to his last breath. He wants to remain that person. Mm-hmm. He wants that. It's fun. I mean, that's a good time. That's, I mean, that's I, excellent. Now, if that doesn't, hey, listen, if money was not, wasn't an object and I didn't enjoy it anymore and I'd rather do something else, I would. Uh, well, I'm doing some things. I mean, I like speaking. I like that as much as selling. Mm-hmm. I like talking about it as much as doing it. All right, so we're going to go ahead and cut it there, and we'll pick back up next week as with Gary as well. He's got a lot of great value to add next week of some of the more of the lessons that he learned and things that he wants to be teaching to agents throughout the country and a lot of the things that he'll be talking about when he's at our Real Estate Success Summit on February 13th. So, Don't forget to go ahead and get your tickets for February 13th. With Gary being there, we know they are going to sell out and sell out quickly. So go ahead and get those tickets. Uh, You can get those in the show notes below as well as on Blair Cato's website, blaircato.com. Have a great week. We'll be back again next week with Gary.